wants coffee? Daddy, who wants a pot of coffee? I just made coffee. You want a cup of coffee? Sure, there you go. Who wants coffee? Anybody else want coffee? Who wants coffee? And now, it's time for the man with the caffeine. The new tropics for the brain. It's Coffee with Mike. Hang in, hang tight, grab your cup, and let's get this thing started. Hey everybody, welcome back to Java Chat. This is Coffee with Mike here, and today I get to welcome Cameron Tusi. Uh, let me, <clears throat> my voice today, Cameron Tusi. Thank you for joining us today, sir. Really appreciate you coming and hanging out over a cup of Java. How's your day going? Great, thank you. Pleasure to be on with you, Michael. Awesome. So guys, I'm gonna read a little bit about uh, Cameron's background. This, this, was, this was one of the interviews I was really looking forward to, um, and here's why. Uh, for over 20 years, Cameron's been a key contributor to the innovation economy, helping literally thousands of multinational corporations, startups, venture firms, investors, individual entrepreneurs as one of America's leading business technology and intellectual property lawyers and litigators. Yes, I have an attorney. Yes. <laughs> um, his accolades include the highest peer review rankings with the foremost legal publications, such as the American Lawyer, Corporate Counsel Magazine, Martindale and Hubble's AV preeminent rating. As a leading litigator and licensing counsel, he has represented clients with combined amounts in controversy exceeding 1.1 billion, that's with a B, with numerous multi-million dollar awards for his clients. In other words, when somebody screwed up on an IP, he went after it and got it, and he, and he took care of business. That's how it's done. Cameron is himself an entrepreneur as well. It's another reason why I wanted him on here. Having founded the firm IP Law Leaders in 2012, co-founded a multi-million dollar startup in 04, and serving on the advisory boards of numerous venture-funded startups. <clears throat> He's also a public speaker. He speaks passionately about entrepreneurship. As an author, his articles frequently appear in Bloomberg Law, Entrepreneur Magazine. Great. I used to write for them too. Um, IP Watchdog and Scholarly Law Journals. He's often quoted by international journalists for The Guardian, Reuters, and other publications about pressing technology and legal issues. So, that should tell you guys one of the, just a few of the reasons why I wanted him on here. There's, there's, some real, there's some real questions sometimes out in the ether with entrepreneurs when they get out there and they want to start a business and they just want to take off after it and they, they forget. Sometimes they're bringing something to the market that hasn't been done yet. They forget about IP. They forget about copyright. They forget about patents. They forget about, you know, they forget about all the things that they should be thinking about first. And that's what we, we you know, as entrepreneurs, we try to teach the next generation of entrepreneurs, hey, before you do this, you remember that really boring thing of going and creating a business plan? It covers this stuff. <laughs> and I'm sure, to, I'm sure you've seen, I'm sure you've seen this too a few times when, when you get into a situation when you're on an advisory board and all of a sudden you start looking for the legal, the legal holes in the, in, the, in the rice paper, so to speak. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I, used to have, I used to have an attorney friend and I was like, all right, poke the holes in the rice paper. Where are we missing? And, oh my gosh. By the time we were done, we'd walk out with a perforated paper. It was, right. it was, but I mean, it, it's, it is what it is. I think most people miss it. So from your perspective, what would you think would be the best piece of advice you can give to a budding entrepreneur, somebody who's just coming into this and, you know, what, what are some of the things they need to think about? 
Well, Michael, um, it's that's a big pool of, of, of. We only got forty minutes. Have fun. Yeah. So <laughs> let, let me so let me sort of back up. It might be surprising for you because I come from it from an angle of uh, having you know formed uh, companies as well as um, law firm. So I'm looking at it from pr the perspective of you know the upside as well as you know we look at it as lawyers always in terms yeah. of what's your um, what's your downside? Uh, I mean, downside. And uh, I would probably start with really those relationships are going to be incredibly key for you. Um, and it might be surprising to say that a lot of successful people that I've seen, the relationships they've had with their peers have been incredibly important. Yeah. You know, a couple of people get together. You have to realize that they probably most importantly, you cannot do it all yourself. If you do, you're bound for failure and you cannot, you know what I mean? How, I mean, how you, many people do you and I know? <laughs> exactly. The, so, exactly so the, right. the, the whole, the whole solopreneur thing is a great concept um, in theory, but eventually every solopreneur ends up with a team. It's just inevitable, whether that's VAs or employees, it doesn't matter scalability is impossible without extra hands. I mean, that's just, just my experience. Am I wrong? I, I couldn't agree more with you, Michael. I mean, it is. And uh, for entrepreneurs and you yourself are, are, are um, talent in that area as well, I mean, you realize that, you know, we tend to be the types of people that want to have control over everything. We, um, yeah. we tend to be people <laughs> that, that say, okay, you know, this is going to be my vision. Is it going to be executed, executed correctly, et cetera? Yeah. Now, you know, one day came the, you know, today's entrepreneur, you know, the mm. solopreneurs, and et cetera, because you have the ability to, for example, do the programming yourself, and you mm -hmm. WordPress plugins um, for your computing, you can, um, the marketing is, is so automated, you can do so much of it now that you could not do in the past. Yeah, true. But I think you have to be careful that you know you are able to let go and bring in some professionals. I realize that pricing is always going to be an issue. It's always sure. going to be worrisome. Sure. Um, the biggest problem people have with giving me a call is they're afraid the, the clock is going to run. You know how much is this? <laughs> where are you going to charge me, etc. And I so you know one of my own personal missions, Michael, is to sort of break down that wall mm -hmm. between lawyers and uh, and clients because mm -hmm. it does nothing but hurt you. I cannot tell you how many people have, you know, had startups and they've forgotten about the IP piece and everything else until, frankly, it's going to really injure you, you know? Yeah. yeah. So that's, so I would definitely say that that teamwork is really important and not doing everything yourself, mm -hmm. bringing in the professionals, believe it or not, a, a decent um, lawyer who knows this stuff um, and a good accountant are going to help you immensely. Absolutely. And that's advice that you can take from the multi-million dollar, multi-billion dollar corporations. If right. they're doing it, yep. you should be thinking of doing the same thing. Yeah. Right. Here's here's a here's a question with that, um, because and this rolling right along that same line. I don't think people understand how important an advisory board can be, even yes. as a small time quote unquote small time entrepreneur that's just getting started. I think most people fear what it would cost them uh, to put one together. And I don't think they understand that there are options when you put together an advisory board. It's not always about compensation and, and capital. Sometimes it's other ways. Can you, can you kind of speak on that a little bit? Yes. You know, another great point, Michael, um, an advisory board, you know, it could not be more important. I can't, I cannot think of anything um, ex 
except, you know, some of the other information we're talking mm -hmm. about. Mm -hmm. Because first of all, an advisory board itself can provide you your initial business. That's mm -hmm. what a lot of people don't understand. Um, I've, I've walked through a lot of companies back when telecom was big and we were, we were seeing a lot of activity. We're talking over 20 years ago, mm -hmm. 30 years ago with the breakup um, of the major, you know. Oh yeah, I remember that. Um, there were a lot of companies in those days and the ones that I saw being successful were, were the ones that were thinking of putting major players, representatives of them on the advisory board itself. You can also put investors on, on your advisory board. And just like you said, Michael, those people, a lot of times they will do it just because they want to be involved. They want to be in the game. They actually genuinely want to help. Yeah. Sometimes for the shares that you might award, and maybe, you know, typically it could be very small. It could be greater depending on your size and how you're growing. But, you know, I myself have actually made myself available to um, a lot of corporations, especially startups, because you want to help. You, you want to help yeah. them get there to yep. be on their advisory board. And, you know, compensation is not a big deal for me. You know, I, I want to be, I want to know the technology that's, that's getting developed. I want to genuinely help. I know that if we have a relationship, they'll probably want to work with me at some point. Yeah. But if they don't, that's perfectly fine. I mean, it's a big world. We just have to realize that, you know, there's plenty to go around. I think if you think that way yeah. um, and, you, and you think that these people are your friends and, you know, they're, they're there to help you, it might make it easier to reach out to them. I think I've, it's a good idea to reach out to, to some, you know, there's a lot of advice nowadays about posting a lot and... Mm -hmm videos out mm -hmm. uh, getting your communications out and the the issue we deal with um i was personally dealing with as, with as well it's just that you know a lot of people are not comfortable in front of a camera or we're putting out information and um i think this is this is just a growth opportunity for you to be able to talk to advisors and others that you that you think may not want to speak with you What's well, what's interesting too is that you know the the amount of possibilities that come out of the advisory board. Maybe you're not to be the face. Maybe one of them might become the face that puts out the, the communication, or maybe they know some. They, I think what people miss on that is that advisory board is not just a bunch of guys sitting around telling you what to do. It's actually a resource because you do get to go back to them and ask them, "Hey, I was thinking about this." I mean, it's literally a sounding board, an idea, an idea place that you can draw on. It's not, all, it's not just about your vision and that it all has to come out of your butt. It has to come out of the minds of some really cool people and, and putting a, an advisory board together, as daunting as sometimes that may sound, to have somebody like yourself that has a track record like yourself as an advisor would be absolutely invaluable to any entrepreneur. It doesn't matter what they're doing. I and mean, I know you're, you've been involved a lot within, within FinTech, blockchain, and stuff like that. That's, there's, there's other things I'm sure you could speak on when we're talking simply about IP. You know, I, I, I've probably, and I've done this without being on an advisory board, I've talked to probably about three or four people in the last six months or so that have all come up with awesome ideas. And, I, and the first thing I keep telling them, and I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting to hear back to see if they did it or not. First thing I told them, check your IP. Well, what do you mean? Well, it's check your IP. Do you have your copyrights on? Do you have your patents filed? Do you have your trademark filed? Well, I'm, I, don't, I don't, it's not all together yet. I'm like, and you're going to wait until you have it together? What if somebody accidentally hears about it? 
Do you know how fast you can file a TM these days? How fast you can file a copyright? How easy it is to do? It costs money, but there's ways around it. It's, it's like, come on, guys. Yeah. I mean, and, and you just heard it. An attorney just confirmed it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, here, so my, and, and this whole thing about um, we'll build it, people will come. You, you, you touched on communications, uh, having to be out there. There are so many gurus that sit out there and go, you don't need to have a big team. You're right. There's a lot of automation. I deal with it. Our, our, we have our marketing agency. We have machine learning involved in our stuff. We have uh, new programs that we're releasing, new products. They're all meant to automate a lot of stuff to make life easier. That does not take out the human factor. You're still going to need somebody to be looking from the outside like yourself or like an, uh, an accountant, somebody that can go, hey, hold on a second. Here's a little something that might sandbag you if you're not careful. Now, whether it does or not, it's irrelevant. Um, one of the things that I always appreciated about attorneys that I've engaged in the past, they were always there looking to see what the downside was. It wasn't that they were telling me to not do it. They were telling me what my exposures were. And I always asked them, where's the, where's the stop? Where's the stop limit on that exposure? How far can I take this without getting myself in trouble? And they would tell me, they'd be honest. They'd be like, well, I wouldn't do this. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, but can I do this? They're like, mm, you probably could, but here's where your exposure is. I, I, I love attorneys like that. Yeah, I love attorneys like that because it's, it's like they're not trying to down my life in, in entrepreneurship. They're trying to tell me, look, I'm just saying this could happen if you're not careful. Make sure you got your I's dotted and your T's crossed. That's right, Michael. And I think, um, remember, it takes a lot of emotional maturity to be able to deal with someone telling you that, you know, there's a lot of negatives or, or things that could go wrong. And you just, you just made around. the hair stand up on my arm, brother. <laughs> you just made that, that right there. Please say that again. I'm serious. Yeah, I, I really mean that. I mean, that emotional maturity is, is, is incredibly important mm -hmm. because if, if you're going to go through this experience of, you know, starting a business, you have to be able to take the bad news just like you can take the good news. And a lot of times when you're younger in particular, it's not to pick on young people, especially as, as bright as they are, brighter than we were when I was a kid. Yeah, but, they, um, but you tend to think, well, I just want to talk to people that are going to sort of pump me up and say, say the great things. You also want to hear about the downside. You want to look at everything in terms of the floor and the ceiling. Yep. Because things could go wrong. And I yep. tell you, investors are going to be looking at that as well. <laughs> if they're looking for asymmetric return, they're still going to be looking to see, okay, what exactly is the downside? And they, you know, failures can be a good thing because it yep. shows that you've been through the process before. Yep. You know, so uh, I wouldn't take failure as, as a problem. I would be able to, I would say that, you know, you have to, you know, be able to sit down with an attorney or an accountant and other professionals, particularly, I think, um, with the attorney when we're talking very early development yeah and just yeah. be able to to handle the fact that they might not tell you every single thing that you want to hear and i think there's also i can tell you something and this is not to sort of promote lawyers or anything like that I, I'm, I'm being honest but if i walk <laughs> into a room and uh let's say we've got some kind of a conference going on I guarantee you 99% of the startups are going to want to talk to anybody who's doing funding or investor, you sure. just have an sure. angel, et cetera, and they're around you. Mm -hmm. No one wants to talk to the lawyers. No one wants to talk to the accountants and some of the others. But I tell you who does want to talk to them. 
major corporations want to talk to them. So All day. You could use some of that kind of advice, which is that, you know, it's not just about money. What mm -hmm. are you going to do with it? Mm -hmm. You know, if, mm -hmm. if you get it. And the mm -hmm. credibility that comes from the advisors that you yourself were talking about, that's really important too. I mean, yeah. if you're building a key team, you know, let's say that, um, that you want to get into, well, I'll give you a specific example. Uh, one of my, uh, the companies I co-founded was marketing in NASCAR. We actually put together a NASCAR team. Nice. And um, we, in order for Toyota to take us seriously, which was just getting into NASCAR at the time, um, we signed up Larry McReynolds, you know, ah. um, chief to Dale Earnhardt and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that gave us on, you know, instant credibility all day. Um, just the fact that we were able, we also got some, you know, major players in that field. You got to be able to do that um, and be thinking, what is it that the the business and the investors and others, um, what kind of a, you know, if you don't have the track record, you can bring in the professionals to give you some of that track record. Yeah. Now, the reason I brought it up, Michael, is because we were talking about advisors. It's the same concept. Mm -hmm. You know, if once you've got advisors who've been there and done that, it, it gives a lot more comfort factor, especially to all the old folks that are yeah. like yeah. us that are the, yeah. the investors. You know what yep. I mean? Yep. So, you know, so you have to sort of be mindful of that as well. I mean, I, I love the energy, but you, you also have to um, have that kind of emotional maturity. I think. I, I you know, it's interesting that I noticed with a lot of the young folks, um, and, and I love their energy too. I mean, I'm, it just, it just totally excites me when I see, I see a lot of me in, in them when I was their age, as a, as a musician, I had that energy to go play music and go have a good time. And they're having right. a good time, same energy, putting it into entrepreneurship. I love it, but I also see the blind side and I do my best to try to warn them <clears throat> at, at any given moment, guys. I'm telling you that that huge oak that comes swinging out from the left, you're not going to see it if you don't have somebody that's been there, done that, and understands what could happen. Um, it's funny that you mentioned that that the, the the attorney's the last person they want to talk to. If you're emotionally mature, that's the first person you're going to talk to. <laughs> it's like we're here on an advisory board. Who's the attorney? Okay, you first. <laughs> I mean, it's when you take it from a practical standpoint, from a practical point of view. The first thing I would want in comfort in my own mind um, as somebody who's been there, and yeah, I've, I've been in litigation suits before um, and, and won uh, only because I'm really good at taking notes and keeping records. Um, they're called composition books. They work. Uh, the, the, the first thing I wanted to know was, okay, I've been here before. Um, how do we avoid this? Or how do we make sure that this doesn't happen? And, you know, the people that be sitting around with everybody have their suggestions and my eyes are always trained on who the attorney is. And it's just, and it's just simply because my, in my mind, the credibility starts there and then can run out to everybody else. If my, if my butt's covered legally with what I'm about to take off with on all fronts as much as possible, then I can start talking to everybody else about what we can do. Because until then, I'm not, my butt's covered legally with what I'm about to take off with on all fronts as much as possible then i can start talking to everybody else about what we can do because until then i'm not going to launch the and this is this is not this is not the let me let me make something real clear seth godin's whole thing about shipping i'm down with that but i'm not going to ship if my attorney says you still got exposures that you can cover and probably should first 
then I'll ship. Then we can fix it after, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. And what's, what's also interesting is you'd be surprised how sophisticated people are getting with IP. I mean, companies, a lot of companies that look to manufacture, um, the first thing they'll, and I'm, I'm actually talking about startups as well, people who are just getting into it. But if you're looking to do manufacturing nowadays, you might reach out to a manufacturer in China who will tell you, are there any patents on this? Do you have? Yeah, that's one of their, what is that? That's like one of their first questions. That's right. They'll want to know, do you have patents? They'll also want to know what are the patents of, of the players in this field because we don't want to get ourselves in trouble. They don't want to have to deal with any kind of a lawsuit in the U.S., mm-hmm. especially the major players. That's how sophisticated that uh, people are getting. So if you walk into it thinking that, you know, I'm not going to have to worry about patents or anything like that, it's just, um, I, it's not yeah, the best. You're, fool, you're fooling yourself is, is the bottom <laughs> line on that. So here's a quick question. Um, What's the difference between a domestic and an international patent and how, how effective are they? I mean, how enforceable are they? Well, the, um, you can get a U.S. patent and let, let's say you want to get a patent in France, but they are also regional patents as well. So I didn't know this. You, this a, is... you can get a European patent that will cover all of Europe. Um, and it's true with a lot of different regions. Um, the U.S. Um, has its own patent. A lot of countries have their own patents. But basically, you're looking to, um, Essentially, to answer simply, where you're making, using, and selling the product. Got so it. if, for example, you're going to have sales in Korea, South Korea, um, you're going to want a, a patent there. And sure. one thing that people really have to keep in mind is that, you know, you do a first filing. It can yeah. be, for example, a provisional patent application in the U.S. or a regular application. Right. Provisionals don't become patents. Right. You file a provisional within a year, you have to file the non-provisional, the regular application. It gets your foot in the door. And so that's why we, like a lot of other law firms, will do that, you know, for more moderate pricing. Mm-hmm. People aren't exactly sure if they're going to pursue the business. But from that first date, I don't care if it's a provisional or non-provisional, uh, if you're looking to f- file internationally, you got a year to do your PCT application. It's a patent cooperation treaty application. And what that does, it basically lets you keep your initial filing date here mm-hmm. in the U.S., for any countries. Oh, cool. 30 months. Nice. Think of it as an option, and it's probably the best way to file internationally because it gives you additional time. Yeah. So remember, with a startup, you're always worried about, you know, what what are my, ca- you know, what's my cash situation? You right. Know, money, and I don't recommend jumping into international patenting. It's, it's a lot more expensive in other countries than here, believe it or not. Yeah. So um, it's, but it's a good idea to give yourself some of that protection with the PCT, get your initial idea filed and you, you have it. The other thing that's important to keep in mind, Michael, is that when you're for patenting in the U.S., if you were to display your product publicly um, or offer it for sale, yeah. um, these kinds of activities can stop you from getting a patent. So, but in the U.S., the, the nice thing is we have a one-year grace period. So we got a one-year clock to you can file your application. In a lot of countries, you don't have that. Right. So if you're going to be displaying, um, you know, publicly or, you know, just think of it as, you know, more than one person. Right. <laughs> um, of, of your product, you got to be careful that you could be losing your international rights right away. So that's actually one of the reasons to have an NDA in place. Yes. I know that yes. people go back yes. and forth on NDAs. Yeah. I mean, people, uh, there's a, 
you know, a lot of times investors don't really want to deal with an NDA. They're not going to sign it. Um, but in terms of the patent protection, it's helpful if you haven't filed yet. Yeah. That's why it's a good idea to at least get your provisional application on file before you're, you've got your um, investor meeting. Mm -hmm. Because if you've done that, you've already filed for the patent, they might say, well, we're not going to sign any NDA. You know, you can come here and pitch us if you want. So at least, and you yeah, can at least tell they're your cover. They can't run off. Yeah, yeah, you, they, you can't, they can't run off with your idea. Exactly. And it's, they also, the other thing, Michael, as you well know, is that they, they take you more seriously. Mm -hmm. okay, this is a person. You've put some skin in the game. You put some time put into some it. put some skin in the game. You know, you're, you're obviously, you know. I think a lot of people are still thinking they can, it, this isn't, you know, it's not like we're not fixing and flipping houses here, guys. This is, you know, you don't use OPM by saying, hey, I got a sales contract. Let's go flip a house. This is a very different game. And it's, totally. and, yeah, and it's one that you really got to be, you've got to be on top of it and, and showing an investor, I'm, I, I don't just have this cool idea. I'm already acting on it. I may not have a proof of concept yet, but damn it, I got a provisional. I've got, I've got this thing set up to where this is, let me ask you a question. If you could do this, dot, dot, dot. And then the investor goes, and you have a provisional on this already? The conversation changes, doesn't it? That's exactly right. And you'd be surprised that a lot of times um, investors will want a conversation with the lawyers or they'll want a due diligence done with the lawyers Absolutely. And because they want to see, is this, um, you know, how real is this, et cetera. So, and, and then, you know, obviously if we're your lawyer, you're going to have to, you know, give us permission to share that information. Yeah. It's yeah. all confidential and privileged. But uh, a lot of times they want to do that just because, you know, to do some of their own due diligence in mm -hmm. advance. The other thing that's really you got to be mindful of is that, you know, a lot of companies now, just because disruption is a, is a big deal and companies are, are forming, you know, more and more quickly mm -hmm. that, you know, as you know, a lot of companies like to stay in um, incognito mode. You know, they like to keep things secret until they're ready to launch um, just because it's getting easier and easier for people to get in the mix. Yeah. With AI, it's just going to turn everything around. It's going to be that on steroids to the power. There's system. a whole bunch of stuff that's already been you know turned on. I mean? It's here. We've both. I seen mean, it. it's going to be so easy to automate ideas very, very rapidly. Yeah. That uh, we already see some of that coming. You got to be mindful of it. You want to get yourself, um, I think, definitely protected as far as the IP is concerned. Yeah. Um, be dealing with with all this good stuff early on. I'm not saying it's the only thing. But just remember that, you know, we're heading into a different world. If we think it's fast now, it's getting, it's become more and when you have When you have an AI that can actually write your blogs for you now, which exists, imagine what yes. else AI can do for you and other things that it can create in, I mean, eventually my thoughts are, and this is just a throw out there prediction. AI is going to be able to start creating its own IP for the betterment of humankind. Um, at least I hope that's what it's right. aiming for. Um, knowing some of the people that are playing in that realm, really interesting to see what AI is able to, able to do. Um, after reading the book, um, Deep Neural Networks for Practic Practitioners, right? Um, holy crap. To teach a computer to think like our brains do? Uh, what? You know, it's it's like, how far have we come? Now, mind you, there's a lot of stuff in there that, for the programmers and and 
stat statistics. I hate statistics. Um, just math. I'm not a math guy. Just to see what it's capable of doing, though, the, the, the mere concept behind creating programs that look like our brain cells. We're teaching machine to think like we do. That's insane to me. So if you, right. think, if you think that AI is not going to eventually be able to come up with an idea before you do, you might want to reconsider that. Um, so two great well pieces said. of advice. Two great pieces of advice that you just gave. Get an advisory board. There's, there's multiple ways to do it. Have some emotional maturity to know that something's going to come at you. And, and listen. Friggin' listen. It's not that hard to do. I mean – you don't have to take the advice, but at least listen to the advice. I, I know entrepreneurs that'll go into it and go, ah, no, nah, I'm, I'm okay. No, I got it. I got it. Here's a little factoid. No, you don't. How many yeah, people have we seen that. run down that path, Cameron, that have uh, <clears throat> taken the train ride from the front of the train rather than in the car? <laughs> well said, Michael. I just <laughs> want to um, just emphasize, put a flag on that, um, that it is it is truly outstanding advice. Um, I can say one thing, and this goes out to other lawyers I'm always talking to and saying, you know, please just don't keep things negative. Think, put yourself in their shoes, you know? You, you have to balance the ability of the entrepreneur to grow, et cetera. Otherwise, they wouldn't be here. They wouldn't be risking so much, yeah. you know? And it's, it can't just be about CYA, you know? So I think we, we definitely need... Hold, hold on, hold on. There's some people that listen to this don't know what CYA is. What's that? There's some people that don't know what CYA means. Your, Cover your ass. It's all good. <laughs> it's not a radio show, so we don't have FCC issues here. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, you're right. And, and I think um, when you do decide to select an attorney as an advisor, here's another question. What should you be looking for? Well, um, one, thing, one thing that I find that's a little bit problematic, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of put you in the shoes of somebody who's looking for counsel, okay? Yeah, yeah. Um, typically, they want to go with whoever their investor tells <laughs> us they work with. You know, a lot of times it's the big firms, et cetera. Uh, the big firms have issues as well. Sometimes yeah, I've, I've worked most of my career at big firms. Mm -hmm. they, um, they can sort of price you out of the market, particularly if you're new and, yeah. you know, every time you make a phone call, you've got to worry about, you know, paying hundreds of dollars. Right, um, right, right. That's always the concern. That's the big one. Very excess amounts, et cetera. Um, but for the most part, at least you know that you're getting good advice, right? Mm -hmm. um, but if you're, you know, that's, that's from that perspective. If you want to go the other direction, which is that, you know, I want to be very conscious of my price, then sometimes you're dealing with, um, individual solo practitioners or maybe smaller firms that are, um, they may not have that specialization, yeah. whether it's IP or yep. some other FTC regulation, some other focus areas that the big firm can provide you. Mm -hmm. So you've got to be careful there. I mean, that's one of the reasons we formed, I formed the firm in 2012, mm -hmm. which is our, we provide for those very specific areas in technology law, both the, from the business transactions mm -hmm, as well mm -hmm. as IP, very focused, specialized knowledge for people that have been doing it for decades. Nice. And because our overhead is lower, we can we can um, provide it a lot more affordably for you. Nice. The only thing is because there is this, you know, if, if you're new, let me put it to you this way. If you're new to the game and you're really worried about what your investors are going to think, you're probably going to go with the bigger firm. 
Okay. Right. Right. Uh, somewhere in Silicon Valley, and we we all know the the identities of them. The but if you're if you've been there and done this a couple of times, mm -hmm. you're going to be looking for the caliber of your of your attorney. Yeah. And so I would say that you know look for the caliber of of the attorney. The other thing I like, um, even though I focus on specialization, Michael, mm -hmm. I really like the um, the idea that your attorney is well-rounded in their particular area. And let me give you a specific example. Cool. In uh, patents, you have prosecution, which is basically the back and forth with the patent office to get yeah. you your patent. Yeah. So there's a drafting of it, then you're back and forth, which is prosecution for one. <laughs> I don't, it, it's an ancient term. So it, it, it is what it is. You're not prosecuting anybody. Yeah. You're trying yeah. to get a patent. And then after that, you want to be concerned with licensing and litigation. And so one of the um, one of the challenges for the for the bigger firms is you have the licensing and litigation people here. You've mm -hmm. got your prosecutors here. Okay? Mm -hmm. And I like the idea that of cross pollinization. As a matter of fact, our attorneys, for the most part, are I can say pretty much every time you're going to have people who do litigation as well as licensing on your team right. while your patent's getting developed. Now that's really really important because. You're not able to change the wording of it. You're not able to change the language of it. You need somebody with that perspective. So this is just an example of how if you're getting a lawyer, you want someone who's sort of seen it and done it on different levels. Because in the area of patents, you want someone who, who has done multi-million dollar licensing litigation to be drafting your patent application and vice versa. If they're doing the litigation, um, you. You know, you, you, if you're looking to do the litigation, you want people who have had experience in prosecution because they know how the patents developed, how it will be interpreted by the right. courts. Right. Now, that's just very specific kind of advice, but it's the same with business transactions. It's the yeah. same with, with everything. You want someone who's got that experience or works in a team-oriented way that provides that experience. I, I want to add on to that. There's, there's um, sometimes the consultations may be free. Sometimes the consultations may cost a buck fifty, two fifty. Let me explain something. That is penance compared to the amount of money that you could lose by getting hit the wrong way. And it's penance compared to the amount of income that you could probably make if you listen and really take the advice. So please don't think that, that you know, a paid consultation isn't worth it. I know, I know numerous entrepreneurs that have gone in and sat with an attorney for a specific portion of their, of their business, paid a buck 50. They're doing six, seven figures off that one consult. One, you think they're going to cry about a buck fifty? It's it's, and, and I say it that way because honestly, when you look at the amount of revenue that's potentially available to you as an entrepreneur, with whether it's a physical product, service, whatever, I don't care what it is, the amount of potential income off of that one cons consultation, it it just it it doesn't equate. You you can't you can't um what's the word? You can't be frozen by a, a small fee. It just it just doesn't it doesn't serve. It doesn't serve you. Find you heard what you heard what Cameron said. Find the ones that are specialized in what you're after, what you're trying to do. Whether that's again business transaction, IP, patent, whatever. If there's if if it's the right one and you believe it's the right people, and you can get a consult with them, yeah, you might have to put out a little bit of uh, pocket cash. But so what? You're going to be putting out pocket cash anyway to develop more of this stuff as it is before you even get an investor. Make the investment. It's not going to kill you. It's not going to hurt you at all. I want to shift gears on something because there was something in your um, there's something in your bio that really caught my attention. Um, by the way, uh, you got a podcast coming out. Yes, thank you. Under my name, Cameron Tusi T O U S I, 
Cool. Uh, we launch uh, next Monday, as a matter of fact. Ha! I'm going to be so here listening. I'm going to be listening. Yep. I'm going to be listening. come on uh, my podcast. Oh, I would love to. Oh my gosh. That Thank would be a blast. You. It would be a pleasure to have you, uh, your voice. So, is, so is, uh, we're launching um, that podcast and it's really specifically for entrepreneurs. And the, the mission, Michael, is to help people to um, help entrepreneurs who are just getting into it. Awesome. And a lot of them aren't just the young folks, Michael. There, no, no. there are uh, older folks who've had an entire career now is the key time to be thinking of, of having your own business and having some of your own control of your own life. Couldn't agree more, especially <laughs> with all of the craziness that's been going on. This is the, this is a perfect time to let your brain run free and, and start thinking about doing something yeah, for exactly. it. I mean, you, you have, every human has brain power. And if you've got eyes and ears, you're going to notice there are new needs in the marketplace for different things. Not just, not just, you know, what, what the world's been focused on for the last, what, four months. There are new needs for new things. There's new, there's new solutions that are needed. Put your brain power to it. Um, I would love to come on there. I would love to hear, and, and I'm definitely subscribing. Please let me know where we can do that. Um, even after this, when you have the links, whatever they are, I'll bring it back to the, um, the description that we put down in the, on the YouTube channel and on our, our podcast. That way people can come find you. <clears throat> you had something in here, though. I shouldn't say though, you had something in here that caught my attention and, and start thinking about doing something yeah, for exactly. it. I mean, you, you have, every human has brain power. And if you've got eyes and ears, you're going to notice there are new needs in the marketplace for different things. Not just, not just you know, what, what the world's been focused on for the last, what, four months. There are new needs for new things. There's new, there's new solutions that are needed. Put your brain power to it. Um, I would love to come on there. I would love to hear, and, and I'm definitely subscribing. Please let me know where we can do that. Um, even after this, when you have the links, whatever they are, I'll bring it back to the, um, the description that we put down in the, on the YouTube channel and on our, our podcast. That way people can come find you. <clears throat> you had something in here, though. I shouldn't say, though. You had something in here that caught my attention. Um, in, your, in your bio, it says, bringing your unique sense of pragmatism. Here it is, belief in true democratic meritocracy. That term stopped me. That was, that was like the term that said, all right, I need this man on this podcast. Can you please explain what that is? And I, I, if, if I have, I think I know what it is, but I want to hear it from you. Well, what, why don't you tell me what you think it is? I'll, I'll confirm it or deny it. <laughs> well, but, you're an attorney. You're going that does that's not fair. Um, <laughs> you have to trust me. That's another thing. Lawyers <laughs> say trust me. Everybody gets nervous. <laughs> well, to, so because I don't understand the full the full connection between the two terms. I know meritocracy is based on merits of of actual production. So it's it's you advance because you put effort into it and you prove you prove what's real, um, and and you get rewarded accordingly. And as long as you're able to do that properly, you succeed you get further along. If you don't succeed, you don't get further along. It's not just something where, you know, people are just going to hand you a big award and say, here, have, a, have at it, have a nice day. You need right. to put the work in, in order to make the work work. And then the results will show it. So that's, that's the beginning of where I got that coming from. I just want to hear the rest of it. I want to understand the, the full concept of what a well, democratic well, meritocracy. So you got that perfect, um, as far as a meritocracy, I want to add the word democratic to it. Um, and I, I want, the reason I say that is because 
in our current world, um, yeah. being run by social media, et cetera, a lot of times it's about who you know, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Even if, for mm-hmm. example, if you look at you know any of the social media platforms, they're providing more, much, much more of an opportunity to the people, the so-called famous people, versus everyone else. And what I really want to do is flatten it. I was right. Here it comes. <laughs> I'm telling you, I want to flatten it. I want everybody to go out there and have a podcast. <laughs> yes. And I want everybody's voice to be heard. And your voice is just important, just as important as anyone else's. I don't care how famous they are. I don't care if if Twitter decides that every time they, they tweet, it goes to everyone. But when you yep. tweet, it only goes to two or three people. Right. I want that to change. And I think that in, in my own podcast and in my ability to come on yours and, and other places is really an extension of that. I want everybody, it's just my own sense of fairness, I think. I want mm-hmm. everybody to have those opportunities. And if you're, and then, you know, you can succeed on your own merits. It doesn't yeah. mean that what, what the meritocracy is. It's not about, you know, I'm saying that you get any kind of special rights. But what I'm saying is now that the world has changed and we've seen this big social shift, yep. um, all <clears> marketing has <throat> is, is changed. And, I, yep. and I, you know, if, if you don't realize it and you're still, counting on phone calls and, and local connections <laughs> and everything, you're in for a rude awakening yeah, or you exactly. find the time to retire or get into some entrepreneurship. Yeah. Um, but if you're, if that's the case, you know, I'm telling you, I, I would like to flatten that. And I think that, uh, and that's part of my own mission. I, I completely agree with that. There's been a big push for people to start podcasts. Um, there was a big push uh, a couple years ago for everybody to write a book. Um, there were pushes before that for people to start their own businesses. I, I, and it does go down to the meritocracy. If you put the effort in and you do it properly and you make it happen in a manner that is beneficial to the marketplace, you know, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk talks a lot about this, find out what the market wants and, and any entrepreneur, any entrepreneur that understands this concept has heard this before, find out what the market wants, give it to them. Bring it to the marketplace. If the marketplace is screaming for a new pencil, well, come up with the number three instead of the number two because there's plenty of those already. I mean, I know that's very basic, but the idea is, is it's very simple. That democratic meritocracy opportunity is absolutely right now. I agree with you. And, I, and thank you for explaining that. I think, I think that is probably, is probably the best way to describe it just from what I'm hearing. And... I think, I think there's a lot more opportunity available to people to just go out and do. And I, I've, I see a lot of people talking about it, and I still see the fear in the young people. Again, the emotional maturity part is still not quite there yet. I don't blame them for that. I think it's just they don't have the experience that we do. Both you and I have been through probably more than enough beat-ups to know that, you know what, it's just a part of the process. We're going to get beat up. It's, it happens. It's true. I, I love the way you put that, actually. That's, that's the perfect way of saying it. And just remember that it's, it's not going to kill you. Whatever, you know, if whatever doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger, as uh, Nietzsche, I guess, said first. But just remember, you're going to have ups and downs. It's, that's the world that we live in. You just yeah. have to be able to move on. And if yeah. you're serious about being an entrepreneur, you cannot take any, any failures very seriously. You have to just move on to the next thing. And you got to remember this, I think above all else, that your opportunities come from adversity. Yeah. You know, COVID-19 
if you're thinking as an entrepreneur, as awful as it is, you've lost your job, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I, like I understand everything that, you, that you're going through um, because people are really hurting out there. But, you know, look at, for example, what you're doing right now, Michael, you're, you're giving back, you're trying to help others, you're, you're, and you're doing it for free, you know, just take advantage of those opportunities when, when people are reaching out. You reach out yourself if, if, if you've got, you know, something yeah. to say. And we all have a message. We all have something to say. Yeah. But just remember what I said about adversity. Now, you would not believe about how many uh, people are actually filing patents for uh, COVID-19. That, that took a spike. A lot of it, yeah. There's I see a spike on that. Entrepreneurs come out now. They're like, hold on a second, you know? Yep. This is a great time for me to, to see how this XYZ problem can get solved. I can't talk about it because they're, they haven't been published yet. Right, exactly. But, um, but I'm telling you, it's, you've got to be thinking, what's the adversity and what's going to be the, the solution that I can provide for I, you? I think I'm the... Stay positive despite all the, the negativity and yeah. all the pain. And I'm, I'm very sorry you're having to go through it. You know, we, we are too. Just remember, everyone's, everyone's in this together right now. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. I think on the whole, um, and I don't remember the actual. I think I saw it not recently, but the amount of patent filings took a spike jump, not just on COVID, but just in general. Um, so there are a lot of entrepreneurial minds out there going, "Well, what else can we do? And what else can we get?" Um, is there when we're talking about intellectual property IP? Um, is there a difference between? filing for a patent and filing for a trademark and a copyright. Is there, there's something you can talk to on that? Yeah. So let me just give you sort of the, high the basics. Yeah. Um, there, the U S patent and trademark office is like it says is for patents and trademarks. And you can file the thing about patents is patents um, give you a federal right. Mm -hmm. That's a big thing for lawyers because it has to do with what courts you, you can get into if you were to litigate, et cetera. Right. Is it a state matter or is it a federal matter? Like, for right. example, all of your, anything that has to do with your house and your property, that's all going to fall within the jurisdiction of your state. It's right. very right. unlikely you're going to ever get into federal court for those kinds of issues. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're, the Patent and Trademark Office gives you a federal right, and they also do the same thing for trademarks. But for trademarks, there's also common law rights, and there are, so the states um, can be involved in the protection that you get whether it, it be if you're selling your, just by virtue of selling your product, right. getting your recognition, your name known. Mm -hmm. So it's just something to be mindful of, but it's always a good idea to get your federal trademark protection. And it's, it's inexpensive. It's about one-tenth the price of, uh, of a patent, um, you know, patent application. The Patents copyright, yeah, it's really cheap. And, um, you know, I know there are people that believe in legal Zoom, but you'd be surprised you can get a good lawyer to do the work um, that will give you even better advice than. Sometimes legal. automation isn't as <laughs> good as you think it is. More. Yeah, I, exactly. I that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the thing about um, copyrights, Michael, is um, under the Berne Convention that was passed, um, there are not to be, um, and, and the U.S. adopted it um, and signed on to it, the Berne Convention. There are not to be formalities to your ability to get a copyright in your product. So what your work, et cetera. So whether it's you, you put pen to paper or you create music like yourself, or it's a sculpture, whatever it is, when you tangibly embody 
uh, that's that's kind of the legal lease, you know, right. the, the, right, right. the tangible embodiment of, of your idea and you've created it, you have an automatic protection of copyrights. It's important to know. So you don't have to file anything. However, if you want to be able to collect damages and sue anyone, et cetera, you're going to have to, in our, in our jurisdiction, file um, with the Copyright Office, which is in the Library of Congress. Mm -hmm. And again, this is the cheapest um, to be able to, to file uh, to get a copyright protection on it. Okay? Cool. So the that's something to be aware of for, for copyrights. A lot of the copyright work does, I mean, it happens in, it's on a litigation level, the copyrights your attorneys will work with. It's not a, it's not a long drawn out process. To give you an idea, patents are uh, fairly complicated and you want to have an attorney who understands that particular field that it's in, whether it's biotech, technology, and has experience. With trademarks, uh, that's not necessary. It's more the, the just the pure legal skill involved. And the copyrights, it's, it's automatic. But just remember what I said. It's always good to have the stamp of the government as well um, if, if for your trademark to do, I mean, excuse me, for your copyright to do that filing. So when we're talking about IP, like, because I, I have a lot of friends that are coaches and consultants <clears throat> that are producing info products. What does that fall under? Well, you can, uh, you can have a, you can have protection of different kinds of, of IP in any medium. To give you an idea, software is protectable as a patent yeah. for the ideas. It's also protectable for the code as a copyright, right? And trademarks, you normally go in the realm of trademarks when it's associated with a goodwill of the company. So unless, you know, unless you've got some weird software that's associated with goodwill, that's, that's going to be, um, you're not going to have trademark as an issue. Got it. Trade secrets are that, you know, you want to keep, think of Coke's formula, you know, Coca-Cola doesn't want to give up its, its trademark. The benefit of, of the, excuse me, the trade secret, the benefit of the trade secret is that it's perpetual. With patents, for example, you have 20 years of protection from the day that you file it. You can keep protection forever if you keep it trade secreted. So sometimes it makes, you know, it makes sense to do that. However, it can be difficult. You have to have procedures in place. It's good to work with, with an attorney to make sure you have good procedures in place to keep your trade secrets. Typically, the way you can see trade secrets come up, Michael, is um, in, you know, an, employee, an employee leaves a company and takes the technology with them. Next thing yeah. you know, <clears throat> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So we deal with that that kind of situation on both sides as well. We've I, I think I've heard about two different well, you know, we have consumer electronics show here in Las Vegas, that's where I am, um, every year. And and we, we've actually seen uh we actually saw the, the sheriff's department go down there one year, um, because they have a place called Eureka Park where all of the new technologies that are just being, you know, started. They might have just uh created something new and they wanted to showcase it kind of a uh, test the market kind of thing <clears throat> right as the buyers go over and they go talk to all the big boys over at the convention center and they move over to the venetian and they go into eureka park to go see hey what's new what's cool blah 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 one year there was actually uh i think it was 2018 i think the sheriffs actually went down there and closed one of the booths down for for a patent uh infringement and that company was warned, don't show up. <clears throat> you show up, we come up, and we're shutting you down. 
Interesting. Yeah. So they literally had the sheriffs come down and say, you're packing up. I, I was I was surprised that it was already and apparently it had already gone through the process in the court saying hey, this is what's coming. We've told them not to come. We've sent the letters not to come. They're still showing up. Here's our here's our patent. Here's what they've produced. It's the same thing. They're trying to pass it off as theirs. That's right. See, one of the remedies you can get for a patent, in addition to damages, is an injunction, which is preventing the other side from selling their product or or making using or selling it. Um, it's a very powerful tool, and um, it can be, you can't get an award, although it's, it's easier to get an award of an injunction if you're actually in that, in that space and you're making the product yourself versus just holding on to the patent. Yeah. And so, they, and yeah, it's, it's something to be really mindful of, definitely. There are, there are people that will try. I mean, you're, you're going to have great ideas, and somebody else is going to think that maybe they can get away with it. And again, this goes back to, it's just an advisory position. It's just one sit down. You may find out you may need more, but if you don't, you're going to have that right. one incident like that show up. And now what? Now you're competing with somebody because you didn't do what you should, probably should have done in the first place. Yeah. And, you know, it takes an investment, but how much, how much income does your idea stand to lose if you're not properly protected? And, and I think, I think there needs to be more of that expressed, which is why I'm glad that you're starting a podcast. So for those of you that are listening, don't forget, it's Cameron Tusi. You'll be, you'll be listening to him soon, I'm sure. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Um, so you've spanned how many years in your career? About a quarter of a century. 25, right. 25 years. Dude, that's a lot of experience. You got to have a ton of stories. What's, what's one of the most awkward ones that you've ever had to deal with? Come on, let's have some fun. What's one of the most awkward ones you ever had to deal with? One of the most interesting ones was there was a startup company and it was going to be acquired by a much bigger company, okay? Um, That's always the hope. Put it this way. It was going to be acquired and um, they suspected that the founders didn't really want to share everything with this big corporation that was buying all their assets. That's an issue that sometimes a big corporation has, which is that you know these guys are going to go on and, and do the same thing elsewhere. We're not going to get all the information we leave before they, they, they leave. We're not going to get all our information before they leave. Right. So they'll have various kinds of, you know, uh, if you have an exchange of shares, they, they might have some rights, et cetera, associated with it. But one, uh, <clears throat> this situation was particularly interesting because um, the firm, the company, hired a, a private investigator <laughs> to follow these guys around. Oh, we know what's coming one now. One <laughs> of whom spent most of these, one of these young geniuses, and he spent most of his time at a strip club. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> and so, yes, that was a real, could, that was kind could of this be, Could this situation. be information that's pertinent to a deal? Possibly. Right. And that was, and that was before, eventually they, you know, they fired these guys, but it was, uh, it was a very, particularly interesting kind of a situation <laughs> how do you how do you how do you even begin to try to justify that as as you can't even categorize that as entertainment on your taxes it just doesn't fit <laughs> oh, and i don't care how much of an entertainment it is <laughs> it just doesn't fit yeah exactly that's right what what about um what's one that you saved like a deal that you were involved in maybe not you specifically saving it but what's a deal that you saved or were part of that that turned out really good and and maybe some of the factors around that 
because there's a lot of times when you get into situations like that, a larger company trying to buy a smaller company, um, hopefully, and shit goes sideways. I mean, it just does. It, ne it never fails. There's always that one little Well, I've been on the side of it, Michael, where um, I'm representing a, a very small corporation and against a, you know, sometimes the bigger corporations, um, Microsoft used to be notorious for this, but, um, and I'm not specifically talking about them now, but they have these really onerous agreements that are borderline enforceable to begin with because they just give all the rights to one party. And Why do they do that? I felt that the way we transacted it, I, I probably saved our company. Um, that's one specific uh, example. But it was just because there was all these onerous provisions and this larger company would have taken over. They would have had every single right in the world. Um, and it, in the, the special shares that were issued, you know, the preferred um, status of it would have been particularly onerous. <clears throat> so I've actually, I've actually, that happens involved. more often you might think. <clears throat> I, I, that's why I asked you about it because <clears throat> I've been involved in situations that were not purchase or deals of that nature with larger corporations where one of the cogs in the wheel became an issue to, to put it in a nice way um, where literally the upper management was for it people down below it for it, someone in the middle <clears throat> decided that it wasn't a great idea. And all of a sudden, monkey wrenches started showing up. There was all these onerous provisions and this larger company would have taken over. They would have had every single right in the world. Um, and it, in the, the special shares that were issued, you know, the preferred um, status of it would have been particularly onerous. <clears throat> I've, so I've actually, I've actually, that happens involved. more often you might think. <clears throat> I, I, that's why I asked you about it because <clears throat> I've been involved in situations that were not purchase or deals of that nature with larger corporations where one of the cogs in the wheel became an issue to, to put it in a nice way um, where literally the upper management was for it. People down below were for it. Someone in the middle <clears throat> decided that it wasn't a great idea. And all of a sudden, monkey wrenches started showing up and it's like, okay, wait a minute. What, why upper says it's good. They get it. You guys understand it. What's their problem. And they would come up with these weird reasons. And I'm like, are you serious? We're holding up all of this revenue for that. And it's some of, some of, some of the things are really trivial. So, and, and if you don't have, if you don't have legal eyes looking at it, you may not see the triviality of it. And sometimes it just takes a little prodding <laughs> by an attorney to get them to get off their high horse and say, all right, fine. Um, so again, the value of having a legal advisor or, or an absolute retained counsel um, is invaluable. I think, I, I just don't. I think a lot of people forget that one element when they're, when they're going into business, some set of legal eyes, something, and please don't use legal zoom. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm not, and I'm not downing them. Don't get me wrong. They provide a good service. They got some good stuff. There's okay. a time for it. <laughs> There's a time for it. That is not one of the times, you know, it's, it's, it's like, who do you, who do you really trust? The guy who's the general 
what do you call the general practitioner or the actual specialist that knows how to do the surgery. That's how I look at it. An attorney is like a surgeon. And in their, in their different specialties, it's the difference between uh, an eye surgery and a spleen surgery. Which one do you want? I want the one who matters to that specific organ. So cool. You know, I think we're good, my friend. We've, we've gone pretty far so far. Um, I know there's a lot more that we can discuss, things like leadership, high tech, startups, and stuff like that. I'd like to have you back to go through some of that. Would that be Thank cool? Thank you. I would love to. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. Um, and I've also, as you guys have been watching on the video, been enjoying my allergies again. <laughs> um, it, it is what it is. It's why I, I try to keep it uh, under control to a degree. Uh, you've come this far. What, out of all the success that you've had, what, what's your biggest challenge right now? What do you, what's, what's the biggest thing you're dealing with? What's the biggest thing I'm dealing with? Um, I say whenever you're dealing with litigations, Michael, they can be really contentious, and especially when there are m multiple parties involved. And now with litigation challenges are, you know, fortunately some of the courts are working with us and that they're allowing depositions to, to be done, you know, not in person, you know, electronically, or even court hearings to be done that way as well. Um, and just trying to help people through this, this um, COVID-19 is, is a real challenge right now. Uh, a lot of companies are, are having, you know, they're facing serious financial difficulties. On the litigation end of it, they're having difficulty trying to protect themselves, particularly the companies that are more vulnerable. So we, as much as possible, we, we try to help. But, you know, those are some of the biggest challenges that I'm dealing with right now. It's interesting you mentioned that. I just read this morning. Um, I'm a subscriber to the CDC Gaming News, um, which is the number one authority in gaming um, for gaming news that there is out there. Um, and they've got, a, they've got a good broad spectrum of, of views. Wynn just reported their latest earnings. Wynn Resorts. They're in a negative of, of nine figures. Even though they're open and, and busy, they're still at a, at a bad nine-figure quarterly loss i mean amazing it's uh it's it's bad out there um a lot worse than um than sometimes it's reported i know we talk about the, the tragic deaths and, mm. um and how horrible but people are you know having trouble making a living right now a lot of yeah. and when the big corporations are suffering you know everyone is else is going to be suffering too because just because they have so much market power and if you're an entrepreneur and you're you're going to be somewhere downstream from these major corporations you know, might be providing some kind of a product that eventually gets them if they stop buying it you're going to have a lot of challenges at the same time though that gives you an opportunity to shift <clears throat> as an entrepreneur that is downstream from one of the larger corporations they're not going to be able to provide their their customers or their clients certain services and products because they can't cover it anymore as a smaller entrepreneur and i, I, I don't i don't mean that in a, in a sense of uh, size smaller but as one of the smaller fish downstream, you can probably create something that will at least either be an alternative, a substitute, or maybe even a replacement for it. And that's not to say that the big company won't come back and start providing that again, but it's a chance for you to take a piece of the market that you never had a shot at before. And I, I think that has to be like really looked at as well because, and I'm not talking about gaming guys. I just, I, I use that as an example. That's not, don't go starting a gaming company. <laughs> 
<clears throat> but the idea of that is the opportunities now, as, as Cameron mentioned earlier, they're much more numerous than they used to be. It, it's, it's amazing what a, <clears throat> what, a, what a catastrophe can actually create. And I, don't, I don't wish that on people. I don't hope that right. this, this happens often. But the catastrophes could be minuscule in the, in the fact that it only, for, it only affects one industry. But the amount of opportunity that's created yeah, you bring up a huge point, Michael. I mean, it really is a huge point. When, um, when the Trump administration early on was um, passing these, you know, various kinds of tariffs with uh, China, um, one of the things I commented, and I think I may have written an article about it as well, was that it does provide an opportunity for people to come in and disrupt um, the market. This is an opportunity. You never would have been in this, in this supply chain. You never would have been a player and all of a sudden there's a total disruption. Mm -hmm. And when there is, that means it's an opportunity that you know you need to keep your ear to the ground and you need to be looking for what's needed right now. You know, what does the market need? What does this particular field, this industry, this supply chain need? Just as you were talking about earlier, Michael. Yeah. So that, I think that's a huge point. I love I love the fact that we now have the ability to manufacture our own pharmaceuticals onshore. Right. That was a that was a huge win in my opinion. Um, I love the fact that there are new opportunities for anybody. I mean, I you could be the janitor at a at a at a local business building. You have an opportunity, um, especially right now. I you know maybe you can hire a couple people and take on another building. Maybe make a couple more contracts. It, it, there's just no reason to not at least take a look. You know, That's you might right. not you might not think you have what's in you. And yet, how many entrepreneurs do you and I both know, probably more than a book full between the two of us, of people that thought they couldn't? And, and how much are they making now? Because they just took a shot at it. Exactly. And sometimes after 10 failures, to be honest with you. Yeah. And yeah. they hit it, but you know, they were there. And guess what? The news is never going to talk about your failures. No. They hit it. No. They're going to just be talking. They're going to make it sound like, you know, you just got into this business and voila, you were successful. So something to be really mindful of. You better be ready for the journey. You better make friends with people like yourself, Michael, and, um, and get to know some people to put on your advisory board. Get your name out there. Make contacts. Make friends. Be nice to everyone. Mentorship is such a huge thing. I mean, I think yeah. we, didn't, we didn't specifically call it mentorship, but mentorship you know, when we were talking a, a few minutes ago mm -hmm. about advisory boards, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that mentorship is incredibly important for you. I don't care what field you're in. You're going to want someone who has been through that experience, just like if you were a general and you're, you've got your first battle. You want another general telling you it's going to be okay. I'm not going to be decimated. Yeah. Yeah. There's a chance for me to succeed. Yeah. So. That's even at, even at our age, um, mentorship is still like i'm i'm i explained to you earlier in our pre-show that you know i'm a little behind on the learning curve i've got reverse mentors you know kids that are younger than me showing me stuff and i i know gurus out there that have teams paid paid uh agencies that have paid teams and their paid teams and are teaching them and and they've admitted it like openly it's like yeah i went down i went down to one of my my teammates and talked to them about doing this in a specific uh in a specific uh, marketing channel and they in turn showed me this thing and I had never heard of it before. 
and now our efficiency is about 15%, 18% better. It's, there's, there's opportunities on both ends and being open to having mentors if they're available or getting advisors if they're available just makes it easier for you to get through it. That doesn't mean you're not going to fail. It's still going to happen. And I think the message that we, we, we're trying to both say is, it's okay. It happens. It, it's okay. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Michael. And it's just to just be mindful that, you know, it can happen for you. You just have to keep trying. You have to meet the right people or maybe the wrong people and make them the right yeah. people. Yeah, <laughs> so that, does, that happens too. You got to be open to opportunities. And one thing that comes up over and over again in today's, um, for today's entrepreneurs is, um, again, I'm always, I'm one of these people like yourself, I'm always willing to listen. I don't care what someone's age is. They're going to know things that I'm not going to. And, you know, I, I, I want that advice if they can possibly um, provide it. And I noticed more and more people are doing masterminds now. Yeah. Some are paid. Some yeah. are paid masterminds where they say, you know what? You know, this person has put together a master. Maybe I want to go into real estate. This person has put together a great mastermind group into, in real estate. And they've got, you're going to make some great contacts. You're going to, you know, be open to it. Yeah. I know, especially if it's paid, just like you were talking about with lawyers earlier on, you have to be willing to make the investment. I'm not just saying just throw money blindly. Yeah. But you have to realize that, People's time is valuable. And, you know, for example, a lot of people, we provide free consultations, right? Mm -hmm. But what's funny is a lot of times people are mad if they're not getting the free consultation. Like, hold on a second. I want my free, you know, where the heck is my consult? Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, this is my free time. You know, I could be, you know, making, you know, a fair amount of money in the time that I'm giving you some free advice. So just yep. be kind of thankful that I'm doing the first yeah. place. Yeah. You know, appreciate the fact that people are there to try to help you. I think part of that, Michael, is that we live in a society where everyone gets their Google and Facebook and everything else essentially for free, and they're yep. making money off of advertising. So you can tend to think, especially if you're younger, you haven't seen the more traditional business models, that it's always been like this and everyone's there to serve you. But just, you know, kind of be appreciative when people are giving you help. Consider paying for, you know, whether it's your counsel or a mastermind or other areas where you could get some development and return a favor, you know, just like you're doing here on your podcast. Great advice. So, so let, me, let me dig on that and then we'll, we'll wrap it up because um, I love the way you said that. Um, let me, let me add, add on to the fact that while Google and Facebook are free and they make their money on, as, for being a media company, every, you know what's really funny? A good friend of mine who's um, a certified Google PPC person. He's, he's been doing it for years. He's very good at it. <clears throat> years ago, I think back in uh, 07 or 08, Google was, they were doing PPC. They were doing more search though. And that's at the time, that's where they were doing everything. And he came straight out and said, do you honestly think Google is a search company? And I said, what are you talking about? He goes, think about it. How do they make their money? I said, from search. He goes, well, what is search? Mm, lost me. He goes, it's advertising. They're a media company, Mike. Watch what happens over the next couple decades. He saw that back in 08. Very insightful. I saw it. I saw it with Facebook when they first launched their, their pay-per-click campaign. I actually, this, I'll share this with you and then we'll wrap up. I actually was one of the first guys that accidentally got onto their pay-per-click platform when they first released it and then shut it off. 
Because what happened was that same friend called me up and went, do you know Facebook's got PPC? I went, what? Where? And he goes, go here, go here, go check it out. And I went in and I looked at it and I was like, dude, this is like Google when they first started. He goes, yes. What can we do with this? I said, I'm about to find out. And I set up a couple of campaigns <laughs> and started running some paper clips just for fun. Just wanted to see what happened. And my account got shut off. I mean, literally I got shut down. I was like, wait a minute, what did I do wrong? So I wrote him. And Facebook, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm not putting you on blast. I'm just saying this was awesome to see. I was so, I was like really happy when this happened. Um, but I got shut off and I wrote him and I said, excuse me, what did I do wrong? How can I rectify this? This is where I do some of my business. I would like to be able to continue doing so. This was the note I got back. And, and although it's not verbatim, you'll get the, you'll get the gist of it. <laughs> We're sorry. <clears throat> we thank you for trying out our platform. Please be patient with us. This is a new feature. We are not quite sure how this is going to work. We will let you know when we, when we re-release again, your account is reinstated. Ah. By the way, for those of you that are listening, I just opened my eyes till about my, my eyeballs about fell out. I could not believe that was the message I got back. I, you never expect to hear something like that from a company, but they were testing. Right. And it, immediately it hit my mind, okay, Facebook is booking to become a media company too. And guess what they are today? Look at Twitter, a side job, a side project. They're a media company now. I mean, the, the, amount of, the amount of what's available. Okay, cool. So all of that wrapped up. I wanna thank you, <laughs> I wanna thank you Cameron, for coming and sharing some time with me. Uh, I really appreciate your insights, sir. And, and I'm totally looking forward to having you come back and talk more because I've got friends in the FinTech and the biotech and all that world. I'm sure they're gonna wanna hear your expertise on that stuff too. So let's, let's make sure that that happens uh, sometime soon. Um, you know how we like to end these. We love every one of you. If you guys are watching, make sure you hit the subscribe button over there. Um, if you're listening, whatever you're listening on, Stitcher, CastBox, Podcasts, Google, or, or Apple, make sure you're downloaded or so on. Hey, Cameron, where can people find you? I mean, obviously, you've, you've got, you're, you got the podcast coming up, but if somebody wants to talk to you or possibly engage you, where, where can they find you? Well, the easiest is uh, their law firm, which is IP Law Leaders, I-P-L-A-W-L-E-A-D-E-R-S. If you if you contact the firm in any way um, and say, I want to talk to Cameron, um, I the chances are about 99% that, that I'll get it, okay? So that's <laughs> that's probably the, the best way to, to contact me. And we're on all kinds of social media as well. And again, thank you for mentioning my podcast. It's uh, Cameron Tusi, C-A-M-E-R-O-N. My last name is T-O-U-S-I. And uh, those are both dot coms, correct? Um, Cameron Tusi, no. And don't give anyone the idea. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you can. We're hosting on Anchor right now. Um, and nice. It's available on. It's going to be available on all the uh, various platforms as well. Good deal. I got a couple of suggestions for you on that. We can talk about that later. Um, you're, um, obviously, we're going to post all your links on the description, guys, below in the comments. Make sure that you leave some comments. And if you have any questions, feel free to go ahead and ask there. I will forward those questions over to Cameron, and he can address them as, as, as he has time. Um, it'll also be on Anchor. Make sure you guys keep an eye on this gentleman as far as what his podcast is, is going to be bringing up, because I'm quite sure there's going to be a lot of valuable information. So... Thanks, everyone. We love you. Stay up. Stay safe. Stay healthy. 
and live. From both of us to all of you, ciao for now. Thank you. For more information on Java Chat, visit www.javachatpodcast.com. You've been listening to Coffee with Mike on Java Chat. Tune in weekly to this podcast for the next episode. You can also download or subscribe today on your favorite podcast platform. A production of Oasis Media Group, LLC. Located in Las Vegas, Nevada. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. <laughs>